Welcome back to Customers Who Click, the e-commerce podcast for DC brands. In each episode, we will look to answer one important question. What is the one thing brands should be doing right now to get customers clicking? Each guest will take us through actionable insights and real-life examples from brands excelling in the art of customer attraction. So whether you're looking to enhance your conversion rates, boost average order values, or extend customer lifetime value, this is the podcast for you. Visit customerswhoclick.com for all our past episodes and to connect with us. Now dive into the world of D2C e-commerce with us and unravel the secrets to keeping those customers clicking. Today's guest is the remarkable Jimmy Kim, CEO and founder of Senlane, a leader in the e-commerce marketing automation space. Jimmy's journey from humble beginnings to tech entrepreneur is really inspiring. Uh, He's not only a successful CEO, but he's also a thought leader in email marketing. His insights and expertise are widely recognised, making him a sought-after speaker advisor, which is exactly why I'm excited to have them on the podcast. Let's get Jimmy on now. Jimmy, thanks for joining me today. Would you mind uh, introducing yourself? Give us a, a little bit of your background and, and how you've got to where you are today. Yeah. Hey, Will. Thanks for having me here. Very excited to be here as today. And I would love to give you that background. I'm not going to go into the full spiel. I know that we're not here to talk about founder stories and all that good stuff, but I'll kind of give you the high level who I am. So I'll start at the top. My name is Jimmy Kim. I'm the CEO and founder here at Senlane. Senlane is an email, SMS, and product reviews product for e-commerce merchants, right? We unify the stack, we give you more power, we save you some money, and we allow you to get those on-time customer communications, give people better customer experiences. My story actually is one that starts way back in the day. So I always kind of say like, I've had many careers and I might look a little bit younger, but I am in a little bit of an older state as a person. And it's allowed me to have a lot of walks in life. And my first walk in life was in the car, an automotive sales industry, right? I sold cars all the way back to 2001. I actually started washing cars in like 1998, I think. And over the progression over you know that time, I sold cars, I financed them, I eventually ran a store. And by the time I left at the top, I was general manager of three Saturn stores in 2008 when we had the bankruptcy. Okay. And that's when I made my first career pivot. My next career pivot was going online. I knew that I wanted to get online and do something. And I joined a company, e-publishing digital education company. And I really quickly latched onto the power of email. Email was the thing that I found fascinating at the earliest days that you could essentially get people to give you their email address. You could email them. They could look at that email, click on it and make a purchase and some revenue or dollars could occur. And that was just fascinating to me that, you know, you could do this one to mass model as a one on one sales guy that I've come into at that place. And I realized that. So. I started to learn email at that point and the story kind of goes where it was a really interesting one where I was using email, I generated and started a business of my own, started making money on it, I started teaching on it and one thing led to another and I had an investment opportunity into a brand. It was a it was a clothing men's streetwear boutique brand out of Las Vegas. It was a storefront and the story goes I gave the guy 50 grand to cover a debt not a debt, but a PO essentially, because they wanted to go get funded for a retail operation thing. It was a friend of mine. So I gave it to him. And later on, I went down to him and I went to a store and I was looking around. He was showing me this brand new cut and sew clothing that he was making. He had designed it. He had got it. He was going to release his online. And I was like, well, what are you doing with this? How are you selling it? And he just told me in store. And I said, what about online? And he looked at me and said, online? And I was like, oh, we need to talk. So that little, inve- uh, d- that little debt 
turned into an investment. And over the next couple of years, we started to build this thing, a direct-to-consumer brand. And by the time we were done, we went from this 1,500 square foot retail storefront to like a 500 square foot retail storefront with a 10,000 foot warehouse behind us that we were manufacturing, we're packaging, you know, we're designing, we're doing all sorts of cool stuff in there. And we generated, you know, uh, the company was generating over $10 million a year at at the peak of the business. This is back in like 2016 at this point. During all that time, the reason where Sendlane all came into place was that because I had this love for email and I used email as a big driver of revenue for not only this business, other businesses, we quickly recognized there wasn't tools available to the way that we as retention marketers and email marketers really wanted to find the tool sets and the tools that were available when I started were either Bronto or MailChimp. And those were two options at that point. We all wanted Bronto, but we could only afford MailChimp prices. So we always had that problem in being, you know, kind of naive entrepreneurs at the time, we thought, oh, we could just put some money and we can pay our bill that we're going to pay and we can just pay into this development firm and we will develop our own version. And that kind of ended up happening. So for four years, we generated over $150 million in sales between the three of us that were just putting money into this internal tool. 2017 rolled around and that's kind of when the big pivot occurred for me. I was tired, bored of my lifestyle businesses. I had my direct-to-consumer brand that was, we were having some creative differences internally. And I knew that it was time for me to make my next move. And I decided that it was time to go start a startup. I've always wanted to do a real startup and that's kind of where it ends. So I started Sendlane in 2017 and I've always had the same vision over the years. And it's been a vision that's taken way longer than to, to come out into the market with. And it's taken a lot longer to build that software, but it's part of the journey ultimately. But you know, back in the day, I always had, a, had this main core problem that I want to solve beyond just email, but thinking about the collective number of applications that you use to your Shopify store to run your tech stack, right? And so that was my problem that I wanted to solve even from the earliest days. I wanted to eliminate that tech stack. And the best way I could think about it myself being a marketer was that if I could bring the own marketing stacks of retention together, I can actually give people more power, more more availability of data, better life cycle attribution modeling, which is something that people don't talk about quite often, but understanding like when does that repeat cycle, what is the peak around that? And how do I accelerate that and increase that sales cycle? And that's kind of what I'm out in the world to solve is I will always love email. That's my heart. That's my core. That's something I've been into for 15 plus years. But I realize and recognize the world is shifting and evolutionizing. Different communication channels are occurring. And these are all things that you've got to come and shift shift and adapt to. And I believe that I'm building for that future, essentially. So that's us. Otherwise, we're a USA-based company, You know, remote in nature. So we're about 80 people just all across the United States. Okay. And it's been a really fun journey to be here today. Yeah, I mean, my... My initial background was were very email focused when I was in house. So a lot of experience with email, a bit of SMS, a bit of direct mail along the way, which was always always an interesting one yeah. to try out. But yeah, I mean, it's obviously 2024, you know, a few years on from when obviously Clavio like exploded and everyone kind of went there. And obviously you guys are doing your thing. What do you think? Well, like, what is the one thing brands should be doing right now? like in that email space or email SMS communication space to get customers clicking? Yeah, you know, I I think this is a really interesting topic as I saw the kind of the previews for today's notes of what, you know, we were going to talk about. And in my social media, which I'm pretty active on Twitter or X and LinkedIn, I talk about the click a lot because I think it's the most, it's the highest intent with the highest level contextual, the most real-time data available. And people often ignore it because they don't like 
the click because it doesn't look as fancy or special. When you send 100,000 emails out and you get 1,000 clicks, it doesn't feel as good when you can say that versus, oh, I got 40, 50,000 people to effectively open. We all know that the it's, flawed rate of an open rate is very flawed today. Uh, you've been around, Will. Remember in 2019, we used to say 12 to 20% open rates were great open rates. And now we're like 35 to 45% are great open rates. That many people are not opening your email. It's just effectively yeah. the technology and the business in the world that's changing. And people haven't been able to kind of go through that mental shift. But the one thing that's always stayed true and consistent is always the click. And I believe that the click is one of the most powerful intent signals. So to me, when I think about what could you be doing right now, I actually beat the drum on this a bit right now. And I tell people and I get brands to do this, and they are always pleasantly shocked at how they add 15 to 20% revenue to it. And it's actually not really uh, a magical thought process. It's actually super simple, but people don't think about, it. okay, I'm going to switch the thought process. Well, and I know you're not a typical paid ads guy, but when you're buying paid ads, right? What does a paid ad media buyer love more than anything else that they love? They don't, they, top of the funnel is fun, but what's the one thing they love? They love retargeting ads. Why? Because people who have shown intent, visit your site and clicked, but did not purchase are the most likely to come up and finish and convert. So your return of ad spend on a retargeting ad always looks beautiful and it's always insanely great. A bit like when, again, paid media ads use brand PVC ads. Yeah. Brand PVC ads always, you know, the num- numbers look incredible. Yeah. Because people are searching for a brand. I remember I got shown a report that a brand had received from their agency because they, were, they weren't too sure what was going on. And it showed, you know, a, a CPA of, uh, it was like 10, 15 pounds or something, maybe 20 pounds, which was perfectly acceptable to that brand sure. at the time. We kind of looked into it and, you know, I'm, not a paid media person. So this was just kind of an extra thing I offered to look at, looked into it. And we realized that their CPA on brand acquisition was like three pounds and, and on non-brand, it was eighty ninety yeah. or something. So then we said to them, well, actually, you might as well not acquire the non-brand ones because you're not making any money from them. Yeah. And that's exactly like, there's a lot of things that happen, but then, you know, I say this because when I talk about paid media, even though you're not an expert and that you're not always in there, we know how fast it's been evolving from our seat and watching the people, the best paid medias are talking about this thing one day and next day you're, it's dead and we're moved on to the next day. We talk about email and retention playbook. And often we're like a 20 year old playbook, man. I, I beat the drum on this because we haven't been evolving it because we haven't been using the data. So if I go back to your original question of what can you be doing with the click to evolve it? It's actually taking the intent of the click and actually going off and utilizing it and going beyond the click, going beyond the campaign, essentially, and using something. And I'm talking about the same idea of remarketing, retargeting, ultimately, but using either the same channel or cross channels to go out in communications. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a li- example of one way that I might be doing. All right. I am a shoe store and I'm sending a shoe sale out into the world and I've got 20% off my stuff. It's men's, kids, women's, and accessories ultimately. And I put it out there and I send this email out at 9 a.m. Well, effectively, I could, with the tools that are available today, set up a SMS or an email three hours later and say, anyone who's clicked on this particular thing, we're going to send them more about it. So if I'm a male and I clicked on the 20%, my next email or SMS communication that's going to come out three hours after my action and behavior that I've clicked on the men's 20%, is a extra push, a reminder, a strong message about the reminder that they've actually taken an action and they didn't complete the actual thing. So maybe you have to give them a coupon. Maybe you have to tell them more about red shoes or whatever it might be. But that simple action of being able to follow up 
and you leverage the contextual data that they've already given you. They told you what they clicked on, when they clicked on it, and why they clicked on it, but they did not purchase. That sounds a heck of a lot easier to convert than someone who's not opened the email, or we're not even sure if they truly opened the email, but we think they've opened the email based around the data that we have, right? That's a less lower intent. And then the highest lowest is their cold audience otherwise, right? They're just warm to your brand. So I always say that's the most effective thing that you could do today. And I tell this to brands all the time. I say, look, if you're setting up a campaign, it's really not hard to go off and take that exact same campaign, strip some of the messaging out, rejigger it just a little bit and set it up so you have an automation firing in three hours later to automatically trigger all those people. So if Will clicks on the email at 12 o'clock today, at 3 p.m., he should receive an SMS that says, hey, Will, don't forget about 20% off men's shoes. That's usually most of the reason why people forget to make the purchases is because if the impulse doesn't happen, the time doesn't happen, all the things are relevant, the kids are coming into the room. There's so many things that are happening in real time in real people nature, or oftentimes in this day and age, we're walking down the street and we're checking our email while we're walking and suddenly the bus is here or the car is here and I've got to jump in, right? You forget. And that's really why the power of email or SMS is so powerful, but really the specificity of the click there is so important because that's the highest level of intent. People don't click because they don't have some level of intent to purchase or interest in the product or service that you're selling. They can open for that reason because you're getting a great open rate or they opened it because they like your brand, but that click is so much different. So that's my tip for you today, Well, is literally take those people and set up retargeting. You can either do it manually. You could just build a segment of those people, but send them a specific. I know I was talking to a client yesterday and I said, this is great that you've got 80% open rates on you know 100,000 people and you got 80,000 people opening, but you got 3,000 clicks, but you made 17 sales. I said, what happened to the 2,000 987 people who did not purchase your product. Why don't you send them one follow-up email? And suddenly they sent them the follow-up email and it literally comes back with a double the revenue of the first one because you have this well of people who've given you the highest level of intent, yet we treat them differently often. We go often, what do we do? We send them another campaign tomorrow that's completely different from that first campaign message, literally not ignoring the loudest thing that's in the market today. And that's probably the biggest thing I beat the drum off in the market. Like, guys, we have all this data. No one's using it. We talk about all these different reasons of all the hard technology things, but that inherent raw click is something that cannot be untracked. And it also is something that is so powerful. And you've got the contextual on your side around why they clicked on it. Was it a discount? Was it a read more? Was it a customer service button? I mean, all of these should give you triggers to personalize. And that to me is actually the future of personalization as well. Yeah. I mean, so uh, it's kind of similar to what we used to do. I'm sure you used to do it as well. You know, back in the day when you mentioned we used to get 15, 20% open rate, right? And you'd say, well, let's resend the email to yeah. anyone who opened this email. Because yep. at least, you know, open is some sort of intent. Whereas now, who knows? I mean, I in a couple of email accounts, I'm seeing 70 to 80% open rates. And I'm telling my clients, it's not real. Uh, yeah. You can't really do anything with this information. But the click is, yeah, the click is very much, you know, if someone is not in, if someone is not in the mood to buy, if they're not interested in your products, if they're not looking for your products, why would they click an email? They might open it because they might like your brand, right? Or you might have a really good subject line, which is, again, another reason why you shouldn't use open rates necessarily. But if I've got no reason to buy a product from you right now, I'm probably not going to click. Correct. Unless maybe you've you're doing some like limited edition release or 
some sort of exclusive thing and I just think, yeah, go on then, I'll have a look, but who knows? But the other part of it is kind of what you were saying earlier. You know, If you do that email at 9am, 9am, there's a good chance people aren't in a position to buy. Yeah. They could still be commuting. They could be just at their desk, could be doing a million things, but they might open the email, see it. They might click through, have a quick look, and then they're busy again. So then, yeah, like you say, you retarget them, could be with an email, could be with a with an SMS. I mean, you could do both. Yeah. There's a lot of ways so, to go after it. I mean, you could even fire off effectively a retargeting advertisement too at the same time and fire off a yeah. Facebook ad for those specific people that clicked on that specific link. It's still continuous targeting, right? Like, yeah, I suppose in a similar way, you you can also then say, well, well, I don't know what you think about this. Let's email all the people who didn't click. Let's send them a reminder a bit later just to see if maybe they just missed it. Yeah, I think that definitely is something people do all the time in segmenting that data. I I do say that like when people don't click the first time, usually the the depreciation of that second one reduces dramatically. So we don't usually see it create the revenue. I always say if that first message hooks him, it doesn't, then you should be kind of throwing the net out there almost like a prospecting net. Like every campaign you send out is a prospecting net and their clicks and intent are going to teach you what you might need to be telling them more about because that's really what they want to buy. You know, like it's not cross-selling, it's continuing to help them buy. You know, and that's like, that's, yeah, but, that's something that's really unique but, in the thought process. Yeah, I just, I, I guess I'm just thinking of the, the people who may not have actually opened the email in the first place. Yeah, yeah, of but course. Maybe yeah. They were at work, they didn't see it, but maybe they opened the phone at six o'clock in the evening when they're on the way home, they see that email and then they go, oh, let's have a look. So, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't set up all these different segments every single campaign you do because, you know, then you are going to start annoying some people and I'm sure you're going to get unsubscribes just because you're, you're hitting people, like nudging people again and again. Have you got any examples of brands who are, who you think are doing really well with this? Yeah, with, I guess with the retargeting. And yeah, I'll, I'll talk about both. I think I'll talk about your question was earlier that I knew that it was like brands that are doing good jobs getting clicks. And also, we'll talk a little bit more about the retargeting. So I'm going to pick on a brand that I was just working with because I work with the agency pretty closely. But it's, you know, my obvi, which is the a collagen weight loss supplement company run by Ron and Ash. And they're pretty well known in the market. But let's talk about their email because I think they're doing really interesting thing. Here's the thing about their product they sell. Their product they sell has many benefits weight loss, you know, weight loss, health, sleeping, you know, all these different things. And one of the things that they did, there's two very specific things that I love that they've been doing that's been really interesting to get clicks. One, they're asking people more specific reasons to click and learn. And so what they're starting to do is congregate tags and ideas of product interest groups, ultimately. Oh, this person only clicks when it's about weight loss. This person only clicks when it's about sleeping. Oh, this person clicks when it's about beauty, right? And then they're sending more messages around those specific things. So if they're clicking more on beauty and they have a heavier lean on that, let's go send them more. So they're effectively taking data of the contextual data and being able to drive a very specific personalized email because someone who's into weight loss won't care about the fact that they're going to sleep better or they might look better. They actually have a bigger problem that they're focused on. And we found earlier that a lot of their interest, it starts with weight loss. So that's great. We just need to talk about that more, right? And then the second part to that, which I think is even cooler, and what I really appreciated about their team and their mindset of thinking about it is they've always had this click first mentality. What I mean by that is they've taught the users that they need to click a lot. 
And what I mean by that is they need to click on the email because in order to get the details, in order to be able to see something, in order to join the community, in order to get that sale or discount, in order to get whatever, they try to push and force to click. And what I appreciate about that is they're trying to get that intent so they can see how serious that user is. Look, if I tell you I have a sale on my product, but you have to click here and you don't click here, you probably weren't very interested in my product. But if you click there, you are. And now I've got an instant pool of people that I can target and drill down the funnel. So one of the things that I've seen them do really well is like they kind of throw the net out, right? And then they collect all the people who are interested in these different segments and they get really targeted and not sending everybody an email about the same thing. They're really targeting down and drilling down each of those people. And to me, that's effective retention marketing, taking the net, throwing it out, letting the net get caught up and then really reeling that net in and trying to capitalize on those most highest intent people who aren't going to get bothered if I send them another email tomorrow about the weight loss of my collagen because I told them that I am and I must be interested because I would have clicked on it if I wasn't, right? So like you have to take a lot of those things and learnings, but those are two things that I've seen them do really well today that are driving clicks, especially the whole like initial idea of like give and take. They have a methodology and it's like we, in order to take from us, you must give and their give is usually a click, an action, a like, a share, you know, join of our community. They, a lot, they announce a lot of their sales in their Facebook community, over 100,000 people over there. They announce their sale in there and they don't announce it on the email. You click on the email to go to the community, to join the community, to get in there, to get the discount. Okay. But the content, that's a click, is so powerful along the way. By the time they make it, they've now dedicated and committed their time to really see what's going on. And that's probably why their conversions are through the roof. Yeah. There's a, well, there's a behavioral term for it. Yeah. It's basically- it's training. You're training them. Get- it's, it's almost like a value ladder. Yeah. You're familiar with the value ladder? Uh, absolutely. A little bit like that, right? You get someone to do something for free, then you get someone to commit a little yep. bit more. They say this you in know, sales, you get yeses from people, right? Like little micro commits. How do they go? You know, if, if we have a great day today, can we move forward? Yes. Okay, great. Well, let's, you know, do we have the right people on the call? Yes. You know, like just getting them to say it ultimately can get someone to go ahead and move towards through to that next point, right? But also like before that, getting them onto the call, like sometimes, I mean, it's not, it's about getting the right people in. Absolutely. Right. You, you get the right person on the call by putting little hurdles in the way of them. Because if they're willing to get past those hurdles, then they're in the right place. Yes, absolutely. They should be in the right You're place. Right. right. So just like with that sale example, if they're willing to click through to the Facebook group, join that group, and then click through to sale, that's that's pretty high intent, really. And also then they've, they've captured them in that in the community as well. And just the other bits around kind of casting the net wide and then using the data, I guess it's a little bit like collecting zero party data up front, isn't it? Except what they're doing is... It's better than zero party data, in my opinion. It's literally the highest level. It's even better than that, right? Zero party data is great because they've given you information, but man, that action is just a different level, right? Like we have to assume... I suppose it's like... Yeah, there's a different want and need and desire when they're actually making that click. If they, if you've designed that form wrong, if you've, you know, biased it, if they click maybe the wrong option because they were just thinking a certain way at that time, yep. and they're, you know, they're this different mindset to it, isn't it? They're taking a certain mindset to filling in like a little quiz yep. or whatever. But when they actually then click on emails, that's what tells you the the real feedback. It's a bit like you know, in CRO, we use reviews a lot. We, we do surveys and we ask people their opinions on things, you know, why they bought, why they didn't buy. But what we just find, it's such more genuine, like just transparent feedback when it's a review. Yeah. Because they're not talking to the brand at that point. 
they're talking to other people. So they're not thinking, I don't want to hurt your feelings or I want to have a, you know, whatever. They're just, it's raw. It's like, this is genuinely what they're thinking yep. about you and your products. That's right. So I guess it's, it's kind of a similar thing. Mm-hmm. Sweet. So just before we finish up, have you, have you got a, like a, a book, a podcast, an influencer, you know, is, is there something you'd recommend that people can go, you know, read more on, you know, what are you reading at the moment? God, that's such a good question. I don't read a lot of books on marketing per se. I'm much more of a hands-on, like into trenches kind of guy. I'm working with customers and stuff. I like to read business books around kind of things that I always want to learn about. I read a lot of business books around like customer support, customer happiness, customer excellence, and of course, like really marketing strategy around things because inherently I think what we do is really just a version of marketing essentially, right? We're focusing on a lot of those things. So if I were to go through and say, What's a good book that I would, uh, I'll tell you about podcasts, right? I'll start there because I think I'm a big podcast listener. I walk every day for two miles with my puppies and I listen to a podcast every day. And it's one of my favorite times of the day because, well, no one's awake, no one's alive and no one cares and you just kind of wander, right? I listen to a couple of fun pods. I listen to like the operators pod, which I enjoy because it's a direct to consumer you know, operators who are talking about their current business things. I always in, in, enjoy Chew on This, which is, again, going back to Abby guys, like they, they talk about all these things that they do today on their podcast is super tactical and super relevant in a lot of those things. So those are probably my two favorite podcasts. If I go to a book, one of my favorite books, and it's a different old, different one, but I call a book called Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea. That's still one of my favorite books. I read it every year. It's a refreshment of what they did and how they were able to carve differentiation in an e-commerce space through customer support and the way they generated experience. And to me, I've carried that kind of mantra through all my businesses as my third business tier today. And I'll never stop that because I believe that the consumer and the customer is so big. So that's probably my favorite book recommendation for anyone who says, I think I do customer service or I'd like to think about how to do customer service better. That's a really good book to learn from. Yeah. I was listening to, um, is it, I think it's called, it starts with why. Starts with why? I think that's a book. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about- yeah, 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 I know what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there was a bit in it where he's talking about um, where they used to do like cashback rebates on cars mm-hmm. um, in the US. I don't know if it was such a big thing over here. Um, we used to do uh, cashback rebates and then they would put barriers in front of it, right? Ah, yes, you, yes. You could only yep. apply for your rebate. I mean, actually, we have it so our, our rail operators use it. If, if your train is late or cancelled, you're not allowed to apply for a refund for the first like 10, seven days or something. Okay. And then you get 15 days that you're allowed to do it. And then you have to fill out a massive form. And his point was like, if you do something like that, how can you possibly call yourself customer centric? Correct. Correct. I'm 100% with you. I think there's a lot of things that people do that aren't very customer centric that people think they are doing and they forget what it feels like to be human and a consumer on the other end. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Jimmy. Uh, if, if people want to reach out or, or find out more about what you do, uh, where's the best place to, to get in touch? Yeah. I'm, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I, uh, I spend a lot of time on social media. So I'm either on X, which is at Yo Jimmy Kim, or if you want to find me on LinkedIn, you can just look me up as Jimmy Kim. Um, I go on there and I talk a lot about retention marketing, the click. Uh, you know, I, I laugh because this this podcast is about that, and it's literally my favorite thing that I beat the drum on because I think it's the one thing that everyone has forgotten about, and I, and I go out to build awareness there. So, if you like what I'm talking about, if you think I do good the topics about retention marketing and things around that, that's where you'll find me either on X or LinkedIn, and 
I'll give you a lot of free content in the world. So yeah, that's probably where you should find me. Sweet. All right. Thank you so much, Timmy. Thanks for listening. That's all we have time for today. If you have any questions or would like to add to today's conversation, join me here on the podcast, sponsor the show or work with me. Simply email will at customerswhoclick.com. Visit our website, customerswhoclick.com or connect with me, Will Lawrenson on LinkedIn. But until next time, keep those customers clickers.